Second, to turn to the person next to you and remind them that they're God's treasured possession. Seriously, hear it. You're God's treasured possession. Love it. I, I had never caught, at least in my Bible, Jesus is the forerunner. That was awesome. Well, so today I want to talk to you about something that I think you're already expert in. Um, I want us to have a conversation around uh, about around loving like Jesus. Because every one of you knows how to love somebody else. And I, I really, I, you know, sadly that Jesse's out, I, we've got a couple of nearly newlywed couples here. So I think you'll be experts in answering some of the questions that I want to throw out. Yeah, and we've got the Slaters over there who are, who are newlywed, nearly, and... Uh, and, of course, we've got uh, Janetta, who's been loving people longer than anybody else here, right? <laughs> and, um, and does it deeply. But uh, So I want to ask you, what does it mean? I want to do a little more interactive. I'm going to try that today. Um, what does it mean to love somebody? What does it mean to love another person? Mm, help them heal. Okay, helping them heal. That's good. Giving yourself. Okay. Taking myself and giving it to someone else, okay? Putting their needs before your own. Okay, putting their needs before your own, like that. Which kind of love do you want? Okay. Which kind of love do you want to? Oh. I think there's like five. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anybody else? Yeah, in need, helping them out. Helping them in, in their needs, helping them out, you know. Believing in them. Believing in them. Mm -hmm. Right. We've all had some experience with that, right? Whether it's uh, with ourselves, with our siblings, with our kids, with our, you know, uh, with our boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, um, or just, you know, people who are around. You know, I, I jotted down being willing to sacrifice for them, thinking about them often. They're on your mind, they're on your heart, having a desire. And a concern for that person. So when they experience something, it's almost like you're experiencing it with them. You're like, oh man, that was that was tough, you know. Well, so how do I how do I know when I look at myself? How do I know if I'm loving somebody else? So what's different in me when I'm loving another person? What kind of thing stands out there? I know. Well, when you're loving somebody, outward focus, right, and not focus on yourself. Okay, so I'm thinking about somebody else more often than I'm thinking about myself. Okay? Anyone else? Open party here. Anybody can share here. Can you state the question again? Yeah. yeah. How do I know if I am loving somebody else, someone? How do I know? Like, like if you're going to get married, you should know, right? Do I love somebody? <clears throat> How do we know? You know? Yeah. Sometimes they're all, that's. The only thing you can think of day and night. Like mm. if you are emotionally in love with somebody, then yeah, yeah, they're just constantly on your mind, their well-being, mm -hmm. uh, wanting to encourage them, wanting to lift them up, and just let them know they're loved. Okay. I think sometimes I have to, like I'll have to ask Pat. I'll be like, "What do you need?" Like my idea of loving yeah. him might be so my needs to express it, yeah. but it might not be fulfilling what he needs to feel. Like. So I often ask, like, what can I do? How can I, you know, fill in the blank for him, help me out? Yeah, no, that's, 
to me, a real, a real acid test is you've got something really awesome, like one of Emma's donuts, and you, you're down to the last bite, and inside your heart, you're already salivating. You can taste it, and your love interest goes, can I have that last bite? And you go, oh, oh. Like, why do you test me like this? And, and you go, okay. You can have it. And they go, oh, never mind. And they give you back most of it. That's the best scenario. But typically it's like, "Mm, it's gone, you know. Oh, that was love, you know. Um, know. Do I think of them fondly? When they're having a bad day, do I still like them? You know, um, do I, does knowing them change the way that I live? Like, do I behave differently because of my love for someone else? You know, would I, like I just gave you an example, would I sacrifice something important? I mean, the last bite of a great donut is something very important. But even more than that, would I sacrifice my dream? You know, would I sacrifice, oh, I really was going to be this, but because I love this person, I, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to give up something that was really important for me because I love them. Now let's look on the other side. How do they know that I love them? How does how do they know? What what's what makes it obvious that I love somebody? What's the some examples? The way you treat them. The way you treat them, right? You can feel it, right? You can feel it. You're going up to the door, and do they open the door for you, or do they forget you're even along, right? You're walking along, and do do, do they think about you? Or they not think about you. You know, it really pairs in there. Do one that's really telling for me is do do I do they speak well of me when I'm not there? Hmm. You know, that's a telling thing. You know, if, if you know if if the husband is when the wife is not there or the roommate's not there and you're going, she's awesome, he's awesome. You know, bragging on them when there's really no benefit for you because they're just not there. I mean, it's it's not the same when they're there and you say they're awesome because you're just really saying, I'm awesome because I am around this person. But having that concern for someone else. You know, and I want to apply those to the scriptures and our relationship with God and how we love other people. But I think those are important things because those are really the heart of love. It's inside of you. You're already an expert. Mm-hmm. You're an expert on what makes you feel loved. You're an expert on... Do you feel love? Do you experience love? You already know what that feels like, and so you can play it out. And, you know, and, and there are different challenges to loving, to communicating about love. You know, I was reflecting on, you know, when I first started liking Jeanette back in a long time ago, high school. <laughs> It was, it was shocking. You know, her daughter's here, Katie's here today, and that's great. And her friend Emma is visiting for the weekend from Los Angeles, from the church there. And but we were at Target last night, you know, and not my favorite place, but at Target. And someone ahead of us was checking out, and for some reason they had to know their birthday. And their birth year was 2003. Now, I've never heard, I've never experienced someone stating their birth year as this century. (laughs) I paused in my shoes for a second on that one. Okay. And, you know, if you're that young, amen, because you'll be around long after I'm probably not. So you'll tell my story later. But, um, 
But you know, I thought back about when you know when we first started dating. There's a lot of things we didn't have. There was no such thing as a cell phone. So there was no, no no having a phone with you at any time. But most people don't even use a phone. I mean, talking on the phone, they don't use that. It's texting or it's messaging or it's social media. I, not only was that stuff didn't exist, it wasn't in your pocket. So, okay, so if it's not in my pocket, then what did I have? Well, I, I, I we barely had media. You know, like you joke about, Rob joked about watching It's it's a, it's a Wonderful Life, right, or whatever movie on TV, because it come out once a year. That was the only way to watch it. If you, you, know, you didn't catch it in the movies, and you wanted to watch it again, you said the way you're at the mercy until they showed it again. Yep. You know, I remember going, we watched Star Wars last night, the original one. I remember waiting in line for hours to see it at the movie theater when I was 16. Wow. And the line was around the building. You know, and it was the only movie. We had, people would secretly take a cassette recorder and record the audience. They I have it. So they could worship it, I guess. You know, and, um, and the line went, I saw the movie three times. I paid three times to see that movie. That was, that's the only movie I've ever seen that many times, uh, paying for it. Um, that was just, you know, so it's different. It was a very different time. You know, photographs, you, I mean, we've got a phone now. We can take a picture anytime we want. You know, I think of my phone, I have 10 or 12,000 pictures in there. It automatically sorts them. So if I want to go look at a picture of my wife, I can see every picture I've ever taken over the last, you know, forever. And it, 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 it finds them for me. You know, back then, we had film. Remember that, Janetta? We had film cameras, so we took a picture. I remember that. And then you went to, you went to photo, Photomat, or they had a little kiosk. You, did, you know, it eventually got to where you could get a, you know, develop the next day. Sometimes it used to take two weeks to get your pictures right. developed to find out if they were even any good. Yeah. You know, and, uh, so you, and so you kept them. You put them in photo albums and you had them and you didn't have them in your phone, right? So it was harder, right? Even when we had, you know, when I was a little kid, we, we didn't have an answer. Anybody know what an answer machine is? Anybody yeah. not know? A machine that you bought that you plugged into your phone that would answer the phone when somebody called. Because before then, it was just a pad of paper by the phone. And if your brother or sister got the phone and your love interest called, good luck on ever getting a note about that or your roommate or whoever. Uh, yeah, it was, or your parents, heaven forbid. Like, you know, so you actually had to be home to get a phone call. That's just weird, huh? Like, very weird. But then I was thinking, you know, even travel. You know, in, in, in most families, you had multiple kids, you had a station wagon, and so you had to be in one station wagon's range to actually be able to go visit those people. So travel was a station wagon drive. You know, and the more kids you have, the worse the station wagon ride is. And, you know, at some point they didn't even have air conditioning, so it was awful to be in there. Um, and so there was no low-cost air travel. You know, there was, most people in those days remembered the very first time they ever went on a plane to go somewhere. And it was expensive, you know, it was, you know, like, even to think about it, when I was go back from college to visit Jeanette, we were dating, I rode a Greyhound bus. Now, show of hands, whoever, who has ever ridden a Greyhound bus? Yeah, who has ever ridden one across the country? I did. Across the country. And you know why? Because World Airways charged $100 to fly from Boston to LA, and Greyhound charged $90. So I saved $10 by riding a bus. Oh my gosh. Well, you know, if you've only got $100, you only got $100, you know, you don't got it, you don't got it, you know. And, and in fact, at times, I, I rode Continental Trailways, because guess what? 
you know, in a regional route, it was $50 to ride Greyhound, and it was $40 to ride Continental Trailways. All right. So I saved $10, and outside of Denver, I spent four hours because Continental Trailway doesn't fix their buses, and they broke down <laughs> <laughs> with no air conditioning. Wow, that's know. a major throwback, Peter. So you think about just the effort. So how many of you have ever written a letter to somebody by hand on paper, <laughs> on paper and put it into an envelope and mailed it? How many of you have written a, a ten-page letter to somebody and mailed it? And mailed it, yeah. You know, recently has anybody done? Did anybody write a, a, a multi-page letter this week and mail it by hand? We have emailed. Just that, just that effort, you know, about you know, not shared about sort of my, you know, my long distance dating with Jeanette, you know, but. Um, I even think about when I first became a Christian, sort of the way that we got gathered was different. You know, we had, we met on midweeks every week. We met on Sunday, in the morning and in the afternoon. Sometimes we would have devotionals in small groups that say, we we meet three or four times a week to get together. And that wasn't in some crazy church. That was just every every uh, Church of Christ that I ever went to. You know, they, that's just that's how they did it. It was um, just this connection, this being together. And then even, you know, when, when I was first became a Christian, we moved to Germany. So I was in the Army. We lived in Germany. We were part of a church there. And uh, what was unique about it is every, every person there uh, at best was on a three-year assignment. So it means every year in our church, a third of the people left. Because they got rotated back. They went back to the United States from Germany. And so you realize pretty soon that a third of the group was just going to be leaving every year. And so did you hold back? No. You crammed on. You're like, I'm gonna, I, got a, I got a couple of years here to build a friendship with these, these folks. And I learned a song. I didn't ask Larry to sing it or have us sing it. But we would sing when someone would leave. It, you know, it was a song called, We Love You With the Love of the Lord. Yeah. Are you with that? Yeah. That's a tearjerker. We love you with the love of the Lord. We see in you the glory of our King, and we love you with the love of the Lord. You know, and uh, <clears throat> it makes me almost well up and cry thinking about it. But it was, it was, uh, it was just really expressing to each other how important that relationship that you had with each other was because of how much you loved each other, and how much you needed each other, and how important it is. <clears throat> you know as we go through our transitions and our changes. Amen, Peter. You know, and it, you know, we're in the middle of one of those transitions right now. You know, the, you know, many know, but so Steve Schaaf is, in his words, retiring from the full-time ministry. So he's, he's going to be taking on a, a business that he's building. Sue's going to stay working for the church here. And so we're transitioning to a, a different uh, model here in Burlington. And, uh, you know, we have a, a shepherding group that's really stepping up to try and help that work well, and you know it's going to work well, but it's just different, you know. And so we'll get our time in due course to be able to express that love uh, for Steve and Sue and for what they've done, and how, even in this change, um, maybe we won't sing "We Love You" with the love of the Lord because I you know, I'll break up, but uh, and you don't want to see me cry, or, or maybe you do, but um, you know I, I think what concerns me, and I want to share this today and spend some time talking about it, is look over at Matthew 24. Uh, in verse 12, Matthew 24, and, uh, you know, it's hard for me because 20 years ago you'd hear all the pages turn. You know, and 
now you just hear, you hear electronics turn for the most part. So we've gotten poorly at taking time to get people to turn to a page and, and reflect on it. But so I'll try and be better about that. <coughs> what I'm doing here. This is a little too long. Thank you. It says in Matthew 24 and verse 12, Jesus says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. You know, we see it, right? We, we feel this. You know, without God, most people's love grows cold. I, I thought about bringing a cup of coffee. Imagine I poured a cup, cup of coffee this morning when I left the house around 8, 8.15, and I still had it. And it was paper cup, like a Dunkin' Donuts cup, but it was sitting here. So now it's it's a little bit later, a lot later. That coffee doesn't stay warm. Naturally, it just gets colder. So naturally, our relationships, our love, the things we were talking about, we know that. It gets colder, right? If, like, let's say I never talked to my wife, ever. So we got married 41 years ago. So I just, you know, honey, I said I loved you at the altar when you were in that beautiful white dress. If things change, I'll tell you. How would that go? Mm. It would be interesting, right? Yeah. That wouldn't work. That wouldn't work either way. Uh, we need to keep on connecting, discussing, engaging, loving each other uh, so that the relationship doesn't get cold. It gets warmer. It gets, you know, fill in this blank. Grumpy blank men. What goes in there? Old, grumpy old men. So we know that by nature, men and maybe women, as they get older, they get grumpy. They get cranky. You know, what causes that? Wickedness, sin. Being with their wives for 50 years. Yeah, careful. <laughs> My heartfelt advice is to think careful about those words. Um, but we see wickedness, right? Has anybody experienced any wickedness in the world? You know, let's think about it. Let's think about injustice. There's lots of injustice, and it's really, it's more come to light in the last few years, but it was always there. It was there. It's just, you know, amen. People are pushing back. They're trying to heat it up a bit. They're trying to not let it get us colder. You know, or maybe it's abuse. <clears throat> you know, things, you know, abuse just by the definition means it's wicked. And yet it's common, unfortunately. You know, abandonment, lack of connection, lack of concern, lack of compassion. You know, <clears throat> the, uh, the good news of the kingdom is that love doesn't have to grow cold. That wickedness doesn't have to prevail and that we can stand firm against, that's really going to be our test. That'll be our test. Will we stand firm against wickedness? Will we not allow ourselves to grow cold, to become unloving? You know, one of my favorite passages, 1 Peter 4, says, above all, love one another deeply. Because it's really hard. It is really hard to love somebody deeply. That is the challenge. That means it's going to take some work. It's going to take a lot of work. Okay. Because you're fighting the battle of wickedness that's just naturally there. You know, you don't have to go very far to find wickedness. It's on Netflix. You can find it. It really is. You know, it's it's uh, it's in your it's in your family. It's in your community. It's in your it's in you. You know, you, you know without Jesus, 
our natural tendency is toward coldness, toward wickedness, toward evil. And we can fight with it. We can beat it. You know, and look over at Matthew 22. Just back up a bit. <clears throat> they were trying to get Jesus. Now, I think it's funny. You know, if I asked you, who, who is the most intelligent person in the world in all times? Einstein? Einstein? Margaret? Um, most people you know, would not say Jesus. But Jesus is the most intelligent person of all time. The wisest person, the most insightful, <clears throat> the most knowledgeable. Um, we'll talk some more about that at another time. But uh, he is great with rhetoric. He is great with, you know, logic. He is amazing. <clears throat> but uh, here, he, they try and stump him. So in verse 34 of chapter 22, it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Amen. Amen. And it goes on, you know, if you if you check a parallel in, in Mark 10, 29, he adds strength there too. He says in that passage that it's all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul will go, later we'll see in Romans and in Galatians, you know, that Paul just said, hey, it's all just summed up at this, love your neighbor as yourself, you know. You know, because you, you, you know what, what's prevalent in the world, what's going to cause our love to grow cold? Wickedness. wickedness. And so without Jesus, guess what? Wickedness wins. Right. So if you don't love God, wickedness will win. It will prevail. It will win. And so if you ever have a chance of loving your neighbor, it's because you're loving God. You're staying close to God. You're allowing the wickedness to be overcome with good. And so that's what's going to happen. So what's it mean to love God? We talked about what's it mean to love, to feel love. So it's all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. Can I get a volunteer? Somebody to help me be a, a visible demonstration. Somebody doesn't mind standing in front of the audience. Nothing embarrassing. Okay, Crystal, come on up. Okay, so, so Crystal wants to do is to stand up and raise your hands over your head as high as you can. Just absolutely as high. Get as high as you can. Even, you know, okay, is that as high as you can? Can you give me a bit more? Can you give it a bit more? You need it a bit. Oh, there you go. So. <laughs> Thank you. It's a great test because when we try and give our best, you know what? There's always a bit more. There's always a bit more we can have. So that's what God's asking about. Will you give all of your heart? Not your best. Because your best is great. But I want it all. Anybody in a relationship, if you're going to get married and you're going to put on a ring and say, I will, right? Is that what we say tomorrow? I don't know. I do. I do? Okay, I do. <laughs> I, I am. That's what I have to say every day. I, I, I'm back there. I'll do it again. How much do you want? Do you want some? I want all. I want all. You know, I want everything. And uh, that's what God's asking. That's what the decision we make to become Christians, right, is that we will give up everything. I, you know, Matthew 6, 30, I'll seek first the kingdom 
You know, when you look at the list of, of what's most important in your life, someone once said, it's God here, and then scroll down for about 10 pages of blank, and, uh, and then there's something else. God is by far ahead. He's the most important. <clears throat> He's the most, therefore. So how do I know if I love God? You know, well, because I'm going back to my questions before, where's my, what's in my heart? Where's my heart? Is my heart getting closer to God? Or is it getting drifting farther away from God? You know, what, what's in my soul? You know, what's, what's there? And, you know, I said, oh, soul, what's that mean? You know, I, I found Psalm 103. You can take a peek there. David's talking about it. He says, praise the Lord, my soul, all my innermost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like, like the eagles. You know, it's that person who gives you the last bite of donut. God is way beyond that. God loves your soul so much that he, he reaches in there to redeem it, to refresh it, to restore it. Right. God wants you, not only, he doesn't want you just to be successful, he wants to restore your soul. He wants to re- refine you, renew you, bring you strong. You know, I thought about my mind. You know, what does my mind reflect on? Anybody here daydream? Hopefully not daydreaming right now, but maybe you are. It's okay, I guess. Yes. God, maybe. You know, what do you think about? You know, how do I keep my mind thinking about God? You know, when, it, when there's a question, how, oh, what would, you know, God, if Jesus was here, how would he, what would he expect to happen? How would he, what would be his mind? It would be incredible, right? Jesus was really well aware that he could call 10,000 angels, you know. I can't call, I mean, I can ask one to come. He can tell them to come, you know, and amazing. You know, his strength, your strength, you know. Where, where do your energies get placed? What's the most important thing for your strength, your energies? Take a look at, in just, these are two thoughts about, just thinking about that. In, in Luke 16, 13, it says, No one can serve two masters, because either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money, is what Luke's, Jesus is talking about there. But it's really the test of two masters. Are there two masters in a situation where I'm trying to love God and love something else? That's a test. Because I think you have to be aware of that. Say, okay, in this situation, I know I want to love God. What else am I t- tempted to love? What's there? <clears throat> what could be drawing me off? Uh, or, or in John, John 12, 42, another thought. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear that they'd be put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise from God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes that, that's really the short term. I would rather, you know, you, you might think, oh, oh, you know, it's a stress. If I, if I do this, I, I'll, people will love me. I don't think God will love me. That's just a different example of the two masters. The one master there, I think it really hits us all, is what will people say about us? What will people think about us? You know, what will, what will they do? How will we resolve that? And um, so I want to spend a few minutes, you know, a couple minutes here and just talk about how do we go about following Jesus? Just give you maybe a model to think about 
how do we do this and apply it practically? You know, it's I, a scripture always stands out to me in John 8, 31, one of my memory verses. It's the, the, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we tell people, well, you know, what's that mean? Well, you don't really know the truth until you follow Jesus. You can't guess about the truth until you actually put it into practice. You know, and so I want to spend another time talking about that second part, uh, about loving your neighbor. But I want to just share with you a model for how do you try to put things into practice. You know, we're trying to grow, right? So I'll give you a grow model. Four letters, G-R-O-W, okay? And the first one is, is what's the outcome that you want? What's your you know, goal would be the right word? Where are you trying to get to? What's your destination? And a lot of times we think about a destination. Now, I love 2 Corinthians 5. It says, so we make it our goal to please him, whether we're at home in the body or away from it. Or Paul would say elsewhere in Philippians, I want to know Christ. Well, those are big goals. You know, we've got, I want to get to heaven. I want to be faithful to the end. I want to have a loving family. I want to uh, be married until I'm old, you know. That, those are goals that you, sometimes you don't know if you've made them until the end. So, you, you know, if you said about, you know, you can have the end in mind, but you can't do things to be mature. I was sharing with some, with some folks this morning. You, you, you become mature. Like, it, it's an end result. So how do you get there? So in my grow model, the next one is, where am I really at? What's reality? You know, so let's take, for example, you know, I want to, uh, I want to have my heart be closer to God. That's an end result. I want to be closer to God. What's the reality now? Well, I can just jot down in my own mind, where's my heart today? You know, where am I placing my affections? You know, I gave you some examples. Who is my other master? You know, what's interfering for my mind? What's interfering for my time? What's interfering for my strength? You know, and I can just figure out where am I at? There's no, there's no, no wrong in this. Write down, talk about, think about, oh, okay, here's where I'm at. And then, oh, in my grow model is, what are my options? What could I do? You know, I could. I could, okay, my mind is not fully placed on God. What could I do to get it there? What are some examples? Just help me out. Help me think through this. If I'm having a hard time keeping my mind on Jesus, what can I do? What are some options? Get rid of distractions. Get rid of distractions. Okay, I could get off of social media. I could turn off my TV. I could could read my Bible Bible more. I could pray. Fellowship. I could fellowship. I could get some memory scriptures. I could serve others. What else? I could fast. You know, those are all great things. Those are all things that I could do, and I can sit there and think about them. Now I have to go. Those are options, and we're all good at figuring out the options. But the last part of the grow is what will I do? What things will I decide to do? Now, are any of those things you mentioned end results? <laughs> No, there's things you do, right? But that's how you get somewhere. Is you make a decision to go and work your way, make one incremental step. There's a scripture about that, isn't there, Ryan? I think you talked about it in men's D group a few months ago. Make every effort to <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. add to your knowledge goodness, not goodness. Oh, yeah. I need to memorize that one, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's the adding. That's What's the W? What's the will? What's your will? What will you do? What are you going to do with the O? Is your options. So grow is a goal is something in the future that is an end result. Reality is where are we at today with respect to that target? What are my options? And then what am I going to do about it? How am I going to change? How am I going to grow?
And that really, so what can Peter do alternatively? Peter can call Brian and say, Brian, how do I become, how to become a man whose heart's after God? Give me your opinions. No. What I probably need to do is say, Ryan, can you help me figure out where I'm really at in this? How about my reality? Give me some benchmark. Help me to figure out where am I? What's your perspective on where I am? And then maybe I might, hey, hey, Ryan, can you help me think through some options? Can you help me think through some things that I could do? But in the end, the only person, wait a sec, I said you were an expert on your love. You're an expert. The only person that's an expert about you is you. You've got to dig in there and say, okay, Reality is reality. I, I, I think it's very helpful sometimes to ask somebody, else, how do you see me? What's, what's your vision of reality? You've got to temper with your own understanding of reality. But in the end, you, you then come up and say, okay, I'm going to make a decision to really transform, to become different, to grow in all this. And do you think it's a once for all? No, it's an ongoing thing. And there's grace and there's mercy and there's joy in it. And I think that's the thing that we have the opportunity to do is we get to grow in our love for Jesus. You know, we are farther along than when we first believed. And I think Paul talks often about the end is closer than we thought. You know, the end is coming up. Now, what you don't know is that nobody knows their last day. Right. We don't get to know. We just know we're farther along. Yep. I know I started here. I'm farther along. Do I have another minute or another long period of time? I don't know. I don't know for sure. I just want to keep growing. I want to keep growing in my love for God and in my love for my neighbor. So that when someone tries to stump me and they say, what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. And the second's like it. Love your neighbor. And when do you finish those? Never. As a, as a disciple of the kingdom of God, you're going to get to love God forever. And that's exciting. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, it's just great to be together, to grow together. God, I pray you'd help us take what we're expert in, loving and being loved. we got a lot of insight into it. pray we just continue to use that insight that you've blessed us with to be able to love you. And by that, to love other people, to love our neighbors, our families. And I know we'll get in later, Jesus even calls us to love our enemies. God, help us to have that heart like you do to love everybody. Thank you for this time together to worship you. Thank you just for being uh, such an encouraging growth, growth to us. God, it's just so awesome to know Jesus. And it's his name we pray. Amen.